Amen. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 16, uh, 14 through 16. Ephesians 4, uh, 14 through 16. Let's get at it. Let's get at it. We're still in our series through the book of Ephesians, line by line, precept upon precept, as we dive in and get engaged by the word of God. When you get there, say amen. All right, let's dig at it. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children, say children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, say speaking the truth in love. We grow we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which each with, with, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. In love, if I if I could tag this text for a few minutes, I'd like to talk about um, for, uh, as a topic the griminess of gospel unity. Uh, the griminess of gospel unity. I, I I don't I don't know about you, but if you're going to be a Christian, you and you're going to walk with God through Christ, you can't have an idealistic human philosophy of what it looks like to be a Christian. Idealism means that you create a standard of what it looks like for the body of Christ to be conformed to the image of your perceptions. And, 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 so, and, so, and so what happens is, is whenever anything in our lives gets in the way of that, uh, we, we recognize and realize, and we hopefully, that God ain't conforming nobody to our image here. That, that, that's, like, like, that's not the goal. Now, we got a lot of expectations of folk. We, we got a lot of expectations of people. We even have a lot of expectations of the church. And when that doesn't happen to us, we get a little bit unsettled. However, here in this passage, we saw last week that God is, God is growing us into the stature and measure of Jesus Christ. That means to look like Jesus Christ, not to look like the bishop, not to look like the apostle, not to look like the person that we like the most on TV, not to look like some superstar pastoral Christian, but to look like Jesus. So, so, so he's not, and guess what, he's, he's not going to conform anybody to the image of what you'd like them to be conformed to because you have personal preferences of servitude in your mind. And so, and so, and so what God is going to do is he's going to work at that reality. However, as God works it out, it's real dirty. It's messy. It's trifling. It's raggedy. It's rough. It's rugged and it's painful. That's what we mean by grimy. Not just hood, but struggling. But with a struggle that already has a victory in mind. Because we're not, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. And so Christ finished work on the cross as Ali ooped us to win. In other, in other words, Jesus Christ is like this. He, he'd do that Magic Johnson pass with the cross like that. And then you come up the lane, you're like this. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Crack it down. You know what I'm saying? See, Jesus know how to pitch the ball right. Some of y'all, y'all need to learn how to play some ball anyway. That's a whole nother. Y'all throwing it all up. You got to throw it right. Jesus just put it right in front of the rim and you just go, kick it. Put it right in there. That's how Jesus Christ set us up to win. 
So this passage, though, even though he set it up to win, it doesn't tell us what the fouls are going to look like on the court. See, the playbook don't let you know you're going to get fouled on the way to the basket. That just happens. <laughs> so, so, so what happens is, is he begins in his passage talking about what it looks like to get fouled. So here up in the verse, which brings us to our first point on the, on the griminess of gospel unity, brings us to our first point. We're going to talk about the enemies of gospel unity. They're, they're enemies of gospel unity. And, and interestingly enough, We'll talk about the devil later, but this text ain't talking about the devil. It's talking about folk. Somebody ought to hear me today. And so right here in this verse, in verse 14, it says, so that, say so that. That's good right there. See, so that is a purpose clause. In other words, to tell you the reasoning and purpose behind what was written. And we learned in our last time together that God gave apostles. Do you remember that? And that the office of apostle has dissolved, but the gift hasn't. That's like a startup gift to start things up. If you didn't catch that last message, grab it. But it, 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 it's one who starts ministries, not bishops over ministries. They start ministries, and they are, it's a missiological gift. And it equips the body in order to be able to begin stuff in order that God may continue stuff. All right, but then you got the prophetic gift, not office. Office dissolved with John the Baptist. OT, New T, uh, New Testament is, is the gift of uh, a, a prophet. Uh, we saw that that prophet exhorts, challenges, and confirms God's word to God's people for the building up of God's people. We saw evangelists. Evangelists, we saw, wasn't a person that goes and talks to Christians in revivals. That's not an evangelist. A biblical evangelist actually goes out and ministers to lost people, comes back to the church, and tells the church how to do it. That, that, that's called equipping the saints for the work of service. Then we got pastors, which can be the office, but here is the gift of pastor, not the office of pastor, based on 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Now here, that means that a lot of people can be gifted, or not a lot of people, because the, the equipping gifts is a small group, but uh, more than just the pastoral leadership have a pastoring gift without the office, okay? And we saw teachers, but we said every pastor must have the gift of a pastor, and every teacher uh, doesn't, uh, uh, isn't a pastor. We saw that, right? But these gifts are used to the building up to the body so that we can do what? Grow up. Say grow up. Yeah, baby. That, though these gifts are given so that everybody may grow up. Now, as we, as we look at this here in this passage, it's, it says something interesting. He says, the purpose I said all that for, <coughs> the purpose of the body growing up, not individuals, the body, is that you may not be children. Now, I, I, now, now I play Xbox, you know, 360 right now. I play that a little bit. And but when you first get that joint, somebody bought it for me. I wouldn't even bought that thing. Paying no 400, man, they must be crazy. Anyway, somebody bought one for me a few years ago, pastor friend, said, you need this in your life. I said, they mind, bless your doc. So, so, uh, so I, when I first got on there, they asked you to create an avatar. Now, avatar is a picture of what you want people to see when you um, pull your little thing up. And you can put them with a nice little outfit on like this. You can make them stand like that. You know what I'm saying? You can do all kinds of stuff with them, right? Like, but but that, when, every, when people see your little name, my little tag is Viceroy Hybrid. You know, you just make up some name, right? People are like, what? But uh, you just make it up, right? So check it. That, the avatar is a personification of you. Now, the question of every local body of Christians 
is if God made an avatar of our congregations, what would be God's personification of what our maturity would look like to people who just looked at the avatar? Now, every congregation has an avatar because the Bible says that Jesus Christ, in Revelation 2.1, he, he, he walks among the seven lampstands. That means he checks out the church, and he checks out the maturity of the church. Now, everything that he wrote, the reason why he said right here that we have equipping gifts in the body, people gifts, is in order that we may no longer be children. Say children. Children here is not, see, understand what he's saying doesn't mean that there won't be spiritual children in the congregation. It means, though, that everybody shouldn't stay a spiritual child. I wish I had help. See, he, he's, saying, he's saying, listen, there is a biblical expectation that people that trust Jesus Christ as Savior are automatically infants based on 1 Peter 2.1 where it says, I desire the pure milk of the word. There is a stage in your, your, your development in which milkiness is okay. It's okay to have milk. However, that should not be a perpetual way in which you walk. Now, we're going to talk about characteristics of the two so you'll understand what that means. But, 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 but this idea of not being a child means Paul is saying, I don't want God's people to remain in a perpetual state of spiritual infancy. In other words, where you're, locked, where you're locked in and stuck into a particular place. Because if you want to know, some of y'all say, what my purpose is? What, what is my purpose in life? Your purpose is to not be a child. Your purpose is not to be uh, having Christian pacifiers all the time. You know what I'm saying? Not getting your spiritual diapers changed. You need to learn how to go potty spiritually in Jesus' mighty name. Um, you shouldn't have on Christian onesies. You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't have Christian rattlers and Christian cribs. You know what I'm saying? But, but what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to not be a child. So that means if you are in a perpetual state of that place called adolescence, which is a creation of Western culture to keep you in between adulthood and childhood, when the Bible teaches childhood, adulthood, adolescence means can I have room to be a fool with an adult body and a child mindset? I remember when I was a psychology, I graduated with a bachelor's in psychology, and I did a paper on adolescence and talked about the creation of adolescence in Western culture to keep people infants. And see, in our society, we've made it cool to be a child. I remember this movie I was watching, you know what I'm saying? I, it was a funny movie. It's, it, the bodies, the minds of the mama and the daughter switched. I can't remember what it was. Freaky, y'all? They said, freaking Friday. Freaking Friday. Somebody did like this. Wow. Wow. Help us, God. All right. And so, and so, and so it was funny to see mama like 40 with a 16-year-old attitude. It was the weirdest thing to look at her walk around. Um, please. And she's like, like, nah, you 50, but it was her and somebody. That's what some of us are like spiritually. And see, the, the, so the Bible's expectation is that we grow up. I'm going to stay on this for a few more minutes. Because th this expectation isn't just something that you do on your own. It's something that God has booby-trapped your soul to expect. And, and that's why he's giving the equipping gifts to the body 
in order to make sure that the body grows. Now, not just you individually, because it's never about just one person. It's always about God's entire community, and as a matter of fact, it's about his kingdom. But now he's, he's, he says that you may um, not be children. Then he says this is what it looks like to be a child. It, 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 he, say, he says to not be tossed to and fro by waves and carried about. Oh, my God. If I had 45 minutes more, I'd just stay on this. This word is an interesting word. It means to be unstable of opinion, to fluctuate every which way, to, to frequently change the way one believes, to disturb, to be disturbed easily, uh, to be thrown into a perpetual state of confusion. The image points to a ship. Now, you got to understand, they had, you know, all of the, they had speedboats back then. Speedboats with some dudes with their shirts off going heave ho. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't no speedboats back then. But you got to understand the illustration, right? All they had was an anchor, sails, and rows. So that's how they got it. But the images of being out in the middle of water, in the midst of a storm, and being taken wherever the different directions that the wind blow you. Now, the sails are down, the anchor is up, or there's no anchor and there's no one rowing. You just, I, I, called it, I call this being a Christian hippie. In other words, in other words, you know, ooh, look at, man, look at, look at, look at the stars. Wow, the wind is blowing and you just scooting along and the wind blows and you go this way. Oh, let's go here. The wind blows this way. You go that way. The wind blows that way. In other, in other words, you're on a constant spiritual acid trip. People on an acid trip, they're like, look at the pretty. Look at, woo. See, here in this passage, it means directionlessness. In other words, People outside of the Lord are able to take you where they want you to go, not you submit to where God wants you to go through God's means of sending you where he wants you to go. That, that, that's what this means, to be tossed all over the place. And it, and it has four ideas. I, I ain't got time to go through all of them, all the ideas I, I would have liked to talk about. But there are four main ones. First off, this person is easily deceived. Paul says, Paul says in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 and 3, he says, uh, he says, I, uh, he says, I, 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 I desire you with a, with a, with a divine jealousy, because I betroth you to one husband who is Christ. But he said, but I'm afraid lest you're deceived like Eve was by Satan's craftiness, that you may be drawn away from the simplicity of devotion to Christ. In other, in, other, in, other, in other words, he, he's, he's, saying, he's saying you're deceivable. In other words, when, when, when you're tossed to and fro, you're in a deceivable philosophy. That, that, means, that means that anybody tells you anything, you're automatically into it. And you're gone away somewhere mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And you don't have any stability about you that would investigate. That's what it means. To be deceived means whatever somebody tell you, you believe it. Now, now, what's interesting in that context and in others, the deceived never perceive the deceiver as a deceiver, but they always perceive them as a helper. 
And so what was interesting, what was interesting in that context, Paul called her, he said, oh, he said, I see how y'all do. <laughs> you know, you like fly cats, super apostles, but you know, I've been beat up, jumped, shipwrecked, um, hit 39, hit several times with 40 lashes minus one. He said, see, that's what, that's what it looked like to do what I do. But them cats look good the way they do what they do. But you believe more what they say because it looks like more what you would like people to look like. But I'm looking more like what it looks like to be under Christ's hand and under difficulty. But you see the real anointing of God as a sub-anointing, rather a super-anointing. So, so, so he said, so he says, what happens is they're easily deceived because he says, my goal is devotion to Christ, not me. He said, but their goal is devotion to them. See, when you know, you know whenever someone is taught, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> but here, the goal of what, see, see, this whole idea of being tossed to and fro is not, uh, if you, if every time somebody tells you something and you're thrown into a state of confusion, you're spiritually immature. Every time. That brings us to our next one. Easily shaken. Psalm 62. Right? I'm, one of my favorite Psalms of my wife and I. But David says something interesting. He says, oh, God, you are my rock. Now, listen to what he says. He says, I may not be greatly shaken. One, one part of the psalm, he says, I will not be shaken. But as he prays his way through the psalm, he says, I won't be greatly shaken. I like that. It's different now. So, so, so in other words, a person that's unstable doesn't, isn't standing on the proper foundation based on Matthew 7 when Jesus says per, one person builds on a rock and another one builds on sand. Now, a shaken person uh, uh, um, um, is not uh, uh, functionally and practically allowing themselves to be built on the rock who is Jesus Christ. Not. So, so, we, so, we, so, so easily deceived, easily shaken, but then number three, easily manipulated. Easily manipulated. Over, it's, it's interesting that this is written in this context. 2 Timothy uh, 3, 5, or 6, somewhere up in there. I think it's, yeah, 6. In verse 1, it says, in later times, men will fall away from the faith. And then it starts going to all of these things. They will be lovers of selves and all this. But then it says something interesting, which is a caricature. Even though it uses women, it's really a caricature of people in general who are easily manipulated. It says men who go into houses of weak women and manipulating them, basically. So people that are unstable and tossed to and fro are easily manipulated, right? So we got deceived. Shaken, manipulated, and then confused. Easily confused. I mean, so this is what it looks like to be tossed by waves. We'll explain this a little bit more in a second. Romans 16, 17, and 18 points us to and works us through the idea of what it looks like to be easily deceived, shaken, manipulated, but then here, confused. Now, there's a similar verse to this verse in Hebrews 2.1. In Hebrews 2.1, which characterizes all four of these. It says, therefore, we must pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Now, the illustration's a little different because what it means is to be, you were close to land at first, but your anchor was pulled, not dropped. Therefore, the, the, as, the, as the tide comes in, you drift away from the peaceful shore. In other words, you're no longer connected to anything. You're a Christian hippie just going about everywhere. And so, and, so, and, so, and so in other words, this whole idea of drifting means to gradually neglect the place of stability that God wants to root you in. To neglect it. To neglect it. And what was that which they heard? It was the gospel. Right? 
That's what Hebrews is about, pointing to Jesus, zooming people in on Jesus, the mightiness of Jesus. So being tossed to and fro is not normal. That's, that's spiritual infancy, infantile. That's why the equipping gifts are given to the body. They're not just fivefold ministry. We can use that, but it's mainly equipping gifts, and they have goals in mind, and it's a protecting gift. The group, the, all four of them do things, those roles of those people gifts, help us to not be children. It helps mature the body. It helps equip the body, but it helps us to have a place of standing. Now, 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 it says every wind of doctrine. I like that. Say every wind of doctrine. Now, now, now this is interesting because th this idea of wind means information that mesmerizes but does not stabilize. Information that mesmerizes but the information doesn't stabilize. Ah. I like the way Horner says it. Horner says, this teaching is designed to counteract pastor teachers' teaching mentioned in verse 11. Pastor teachers bring stability and unity, whereas these teachings came from every direction and brought only confusion, turmoil, and disunity. They, they swirled people around to the point where it caused them to be dizzy, and when they got out of the swirl, the dizziness had them looking at a multiplicity of things because they didn't have stable eyesight. Oh, my God. What, and what, what happens with this caricature, if you will, of, of wind of doctrine, that this, is what, this is what I get concerned about. It is, that's why I've been on this trip as I've been preaching uh, on us kind of getting rooted in the Bible. Because some of y'all don't need to be reading things beyond your spiritual ability to grasp. Let me, let me explain why. Because, see, you read this, and it's the four views of this, the eight views of this, the five views of this, and I'm trying to figure out where I am. And so what happens, what happens is you reading all of these views. You got, you just dizzy. All these views, and you ain't mature enough to process buttermilk, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and all over the place. So you say, well, this guy says this, and this one says this, and this one says that, but this guy, he says this. He has a little bit of a different spin on it, and he has this, and he has this, and he has that, and all you look, and you just swirling. Well, listen, when I take, I'll take my youngest son, I love, he loves for me to do like that. I, I love to spin him around. I just spin him around, spin him around, and then I just set him on the ground. And, and he, he just be like this. And just, and he, just, <laughs> he just looking around laughing and carrying on because he like to be dizzy. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, 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 but the Bible says that, that, that when, when Jesus got finished the Sermon on the Mount, from chapter 5 through 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, I like to see Jesus. He was, I mean, man, I mean, he, he, he killed it so bad, he just dropped the microphone. Just walked off the scene. <laughs> How y'all gonna handle that? You know what I'm saying? Dropped off. Now, what he did, now this is what he did at the end of it, right? This is what people were left with when they heard him teach. They said, What's this? A new teaching? He doesn't teach like the Pharisees and Sadducees. He teaches as one with authority. In other words, he's not quoting a bunch of people and not coming to a conclusion. I wish I had some help. But what he's doing is he's stating the edicts of Yahweh. And as he states it, it's, then, what did he end on? What was the last parable he said there? It was two foundations. He, he, said, he said, either you're going to build on sand, which is views, or you're going to build on a rock, me. That's what Jesus said. So what happens is, is this is why it's very, very important for you to develop a biblical stability that allows you to walk in Bible stability, not a bunch of this person said and that person said. 
Now, the danger, though, of the every wind of doctrine piece is I've seen over my 17 years of ministry, 17 years, one thing and one thing that, that destroys people is people giving steaks to people that need milk. Because, see, sometimes, even though the doctrine is solid, it's unable to be handled by the one it's being given to. Matter of fact, Paul's a doggone apostle. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, he said he'd been to heaven and seen stuff he can't talk about. Came back, right? All this. Then he gets in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, man, y'all fleshly. I can't even talk to y'all about what I really want to talk to y'all about. He goes, and whoever's writing Hebrews, he says over in Hebrews, he said, man, I want to tell you more about Melchizedek and his ministry and how it relates to Jesus, but you're spiritual infants and you're not able to handle it. Therefore, what happens is, is they don't try. Listen, if I take my son to Capitol Grill, I love the Porcini Delmonico with some garlic potatoes and some asparagus. Amen. And, 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 and listen, I like that. That's my meal. Oh, my God, it's a cocoa. I mean, it's a 22-ounce ribeye. God, we bless you right now. <laughs> I sit in there, and I, I just cut that thing up, and I like mine medium, 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 medium. Hallelujah. Warm pink center. Now, if I take Nehemiah, and I say, give him a knife and a fork here. He's going to be like, he's going to start crying. <laughs> he's going to wonder what's going on. And then if I try to take, I say, okay, I'm going to just take this 22-ounce steak, and I'm going to just shove it down your little throat. He will die, and he'll choke because he's not ready to digest it. And so what I have to do is I have to break stuff down and put it in a sippy cup and give to him. And then they're like, all right, Daddy, we got something to work with now. You know what I'm saying? And so what can happen is, People can be shipwrecked in their faith if we give them information that they're unable to handle too early because we're more concerned with being deep versus their development. And, and, and so everyone in the doctrine ain't just false doctrine, though. And we're going to see in this, it ain't just false doctrine. Sometimes it's too much doctrine. Now, y'all know, don't be getting in here, oh, he's anti-intellectual. No, y'all know we believe in some theology and some Bible up in here. However, we have to teach one another how to minister to one another. You can't, I, I, you, you lead somebody to Christ and you, don't, and you give them Calvin's Institutes, I'm going to pull off my belt and whoop your behind. I mean, like, what do you, how about a Bible that they can read? How about how to spend time with God? How about eternal security versus on eternal security? That's simple. Like, it's not simplistic, but it's stabilizing. See, that's why everyone in the doctrine just seeks to impress you with the presenter. So everyone in the doctrine just carries, it says carried about here and there. I like the way it says that. Carried here and there. Then it says by human cunning. Now it talks about the characteristics of the one teaching the doctrine. Now, this is an interesting word here. Human cunning means dice player. It means a dice player. Now, it literally means dice player, but in this context, it points to a rigged dice player. In other words, they had big old dice back in the day. They had them little joints like we got. You know, we on the corner watching when the police come, and we're going to be like, we're flipping dollars and going like this. You keep going like this. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
Oh, y'all trying to act like some of y'all were always in the faith and walking with Jesus. I know some of y'all done been down to, oh, Lord, y'all done been down to Delaware to the thing down there. Y'all know what I'm saying. I ain't even going to say it in church. Some of y'all like, I'm about to go there and get my, you know, at the, you know what I'm saying, going like this. So, just went past some of y'all, but y'all know what I'm talking about. But a dice player, right? And what they would do is they would weight the dice out. So that when they rolled the dice, it would land on the side they wanted it to be landing on so that it benefited them and not the one that they were rolling against. See, 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 cunning, cunning means that I teach you to benefit me. I don't teach you to benefit you. So, so here, he, it, it's, it's, the, it's, it's indoctrination that causes devastation, not implantation and Christ's exaltation. That, 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 that's the, so, so, so when we talk about human cunning, we're not talking about somebody, uh, you know, a mad scientist in a lab with bubbles coming up all over the place, you know what I'm saying, and a white jacket on, and he got a little dude named Igor that's his helper. That's not what I'm talking about. Right? <laughs> so, again, human cunning, right? But then he, says, then, he, then he says the way in which the cunning works, right? It says by craftiness. In deceitful skin. Listen to the tech, the language. All of this is things that work against unity. Right? Now, now the, the word deceive here is a really, really rugged word in the New Testament. It's the word de deceitful. Because it's, it's, it means to call someone to wander off the path of righteousness. It's, it, it, some people call it a mere story or a delusion. But then it says, it tells you what type of deceit it is. It says schemes. Now, this is interesting. It says, it's where we get our word method from. The idea is well-thought-through ways in which to deceive, to cause strategic deception, and well-crafted methods of deception. So that means it's well-well-thought-through. Kind of like that passage we saw earlier, Romans 16, 17, and 18, right? That's why you have Paul going to back to, I mean, Timothy going, Paul telling Timothy, go back to Ephesus. Why? Because in Acts chapter 20, he says, when I dip, many cats going to come in. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to not spare the flock. And what they're going to do, they're going to go in strategically and he went back letting them know this is not what's going to happen. But you know that as Paul gets to later in his life, in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, he tells them this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction or teaching. For the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having, their, uh, having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, you know that some, if, if someone teaches you, anybody, and your life is stabilized biblically based on the gospel, that's good information. But if it calls you to meander in a black hole of nothingness and never plug in, in depth and get, that means that something's wrong with the teaching. Because biblical teaching, the Bible, I like it in the pastoral epistles, calls it eteros. The eteros didascaline, um, it means to make someone healthy. So teaching, good teaching is to make someone healthy. Now, that leads, though, 
to what he says next. Now he's, he's talked about that. He says, this is the characteristics of that. Um, this, these are the enemies of gospel unity. We talked about that. He says, now this is what it looks like for us to now implement gospel-centered unity in a beautiful way for us, right? It's ver- chap- verse 15a of this chapter. It says, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. This is good. Now, speaking the truth here is not just doctrine. It involves and is influenced by doctrine, okay? So, so, so that means, when I say doctrine, that means things that come out of the Bible that teach people information. But it also points to transparency in relationships. That's what the word means as I studied it. It means it, not, just, not just the love part, but it's talking about the truth part right now. In other words, the willingness to be transparent with the reality of what the truth is versus deception, Right? And so, and, so, and so this means this means that people must have the right information and the right attitude and therefore the right character as they uh, 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 minister to a brother or sister in Christ about an issue that doesn't just impact an individual but impacts the entire body. Now it says speaks the truth in love. In other words, speaking the truth must involve seeking the highest good for the other person above yourself. That's what makes it gospel-centered. Now let's talk about some practical ways in which this looks. Now, we got some of us, you know, we, we know how to talk to people a lot. And we know how to speak the truth or tell somebody off. In other words, speaking the truth in love isn't telling someone off. I'm going to give you peace of my mind. If, see, if you say that, you're already wrong. And, and, and like I said in the first gathering, you know, you, a black woman or a Latino woman, Y'all, y'all got something, this thing that's in your circulatory system that your neck, when, when you, listen, your neck kind of goes like this, then your hip go like that, and then your leg go back like that. Then when you, when, that's why they're talking to you. That's how you know, just fellas, if they do that, just stop, right? Just stop, just stop. Because when they do like that, that means I'm not feeling you. Then first, and then then she then this is what she gonna do. She gonna <laughs> then she then she gonna move like this. See, you, I, I done seen it a thousand times, man. I grew up in D.C. Chocolate City, so then they move like this, and then they go like that. <laughs> then they bring the hand over and they open up their hand because they done got five reasons. So they first of all, that's you're doomed. You're doomed. You're doomed. Look, dog, you're doomed, baby. You're doomed. See, and, and if you're doing that, and if you start going like this, listen, listen, if they 50 feet away, and they 50 feet away, and you see somebody with their behind out, doing like this, and going like this, and ain't no love, no truth, all that's thrown out, this gully Negroism, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's a whole, listen, it, just saying the numero de padre, de hermano, de espiritu santi, that's what you need to say, you need to go like that, baby, because listen, Listen, everything thrown out on that piece, right? (laughs) But speaking the truth in love is not just sharing your mind or getting at somebody. You know, fellas, I think I'm going to get at them. I'm going to get at that man. You ain't getting at nobody. That's not biblical, right? Our goal is to see (coughs) the truth that we communicate transform people. That's why the Bible says Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. Now, That's the way we beheld his glory. Now, Jesus is the hero here, right? 
Because Jesus knows how to be gracious and how to thrash you at the same time. See, that's what I like about Jesus. See, see, see you know somebody that's good at speaking the truth. Pastor Larry is funny. Because Pastor Larry will sting you. And you'll walk away and won't realize you've been stung till you get to... See, he stung me, didn't he? You know, you know in, in, other, in other words, in other words, when someone speaks the truth in love to you, it, 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 should, it should not... There's two sides to this. You should be willing to hear from it. See, many of us can't hear nothing. See, many of us, see, the other side of that, some of us, that wasn't love. No, you just don't want nobody to tell you nothing. See, some of, some of us are so spiritually substandard in hearing that we only want to hear encouragement that involves what we like. But there are times in your life where you need somebody to give you some grits information. That means some gulliness to help you. Now, if, you, if, you always, if you're always frustrated and nobody, you, even if you don't believe it's true at the moment, the mature person does this. You know what? Don't even say you don't agree with it because you don't even know yet. You need to say, Lord, you know what? I'm, I'm going, I'm, I need to pray to the Lord. And just ask the, the mature person considers it. The immature say, I don't know where you got that from. Then they go to somebody else or they don't say nothing. They just go away and they cry somewhere or they get real mad and hot and then put out a general Facebook or Twitter. Some of y'all so... You know, some people, you know, when you're in a relationship with them, they're just funny. You'd be like, what? What are they talking about? Like, what was that? What did that? Some of y'all need to get off Facebook in relation to how you vent. Like, Christians need to, um, I can't say that because they'll know I'm talking about. Let me, then they'll go to talk to somebody. Can you believe that so-and-so said so-and-so to me? And the person sitting there like, I'm glad somebody did. I'm glad somebody did. I'm glad somebody did. Right? But, you know, I, 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 I like, I like the way Jesus is, though. Jesus, right, and he was gully, right, grimy. He, in front of the Pharisees with his disciples there. He said, you know what? <laughs> you know, you whitewashed tombs. I was like, dang! He said in front of their grill that they whitewashed tombs. He said, you, you look clean, but you're still a tomb. He says, you want the outside of the cup to be clean, but inside you're dirty. That's speaking the truth in love because Jesus authentically wanted them to accept him, right? So that made it love, but he confronted. Some of y'all too scared of confrontation. That's why you don't grow and the people around you don't grow because all y'all do is emotionally massage each other in our mess. <laughs> That's why DNA groups are important because you, 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 uh, 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 Oh, man, I'm about to rename DNA group something, but God ain't honored in that. But um, I was about to say something. Bless God. Anyway, so the important thing is you being able to be confrontable. This is for practical for you. And you to be able to help confront others. That means because many of us are so insecure when someone tells us truth, we think they're writing us comprehensively off and that we're nothing. That's because we take ourselves so seriously that when someone challenges us, we don't see it as a growth mechanism. We see it as a death sentence. So, so, what you, so, so that means, that means you, I want you this week, I want you this week, go to somebody close to you and say, is there something difficult that you need to tell me that I've been ignoring? I want you to do that. Tell me something, something, listen. Because the gospel calls you to pick up your cross daily and follow him. Not just telling people about Jesus, 
but being told about Jesus. And that means sometimes you need to go to somebody, tell me something. See, marriage, that's what marriage, see, some of y'all ain't ready to be married. Listen, listen. See, I know when I'm about to get the truth in love. It's, a, it's an anointing in the atmosphere that happens, right? Because my wife, my wife will come. See, all the husbands know what I'm talking about. Y'all know the statement, the statement that you hate that God created in the English language. Baby, we need to talk. Now, when you hear baby, I need, we need to talk, you just, oh, God, I'm... I'm the worst husband on the planet. I'm about to be crucified, dead, and buried. Third day, rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And sit, I mean, I mean, but 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 that attitude points to our ideal of wanting to be perfect without development. So that means instead of getting on the def- let me prepare, let me what I need to get ready for. You know what I'm saying? You know, like talking about you getting ready to fight. No, you ain't getting ready to fight. You need to fight you, not somebody else. How about that? So speaking the, speaking the truth, listen, speaking the truth in love, I'm staying here for a reason. Listen, being spoken to in the truth in love and speaking the truth in love is how we attain to the unity of the faith. And if you walk, some of y'all are time bombs. Because, you, oh God, listen, I, do, do y'all see the bully tape, the dude, with the, the, young, the, the big fat boy was getting hit, hit in the face, the young boy was going, wow, you know, doing like doing all like this, doing all like this in front of, and went, wow. Then, 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 then a switch went off and showed his head. He said, oh, <laughs> bang. And, this, you know, and then walked off. You know, I'm like, dang, dang. I mean, and we, we know how I say that? He was a time, he'd been bullied for. See, I remember that day I was getting bullied. And, and something went off and I just started knocking cats out. That ain't good. You shouldn't be, he could have killed Shorty. Right? Shorty get up doing like this. You know, like many of us are time bombs because we don't have healthy spirituality that we allow God to do maintenance through the body and how we talk to and how we talk to others. So what happens is when we hear something, we explode. We, so many of us need a truth and love enema. This week. This week. This week in Jesus' mighty name, we need you. So, because better is an open rebuke than love that is hidden. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. If I can hood translate, that means you're two-faced. Don't be a two-faced person. Two-faced means you talk this way one way, and then you get over here and you're talking different. Say the same thing, right? But then he says, I got to close. I can, we can, I got to keep moving. Sorry. <laughs> he says, we are to grow up, verse 15b, in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So Christ is the goal of true, true unity and truth speaking the truth in love. It says from whom, now listen to the, to the, um, to how Paul breaks this up. When he says, from whom the whole body joined together, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Lastly, the uh, gospel unity grows the church. Now, w- when he says this, he's talking about the entire goal of this entire process. 
this amount. The equipping gifts have to equip the saints how to speak the love, truth and love to one another. So that means all of us need truth and love training, everybody. All of us need it. For those of us who are confrontational and those of us who are passive. Passive aggressive. Those are the ones you got to watch out for. Passive aggressive people. Hits you in the stomach and you don't know it, but you're really being hurt by them, right? But here it talks about the, this idea by which God graciously through speaking the truth and love grows us up. Now what's interesting is that the equipping gifts are the joints and the, the joints that, that Christ used to hold the body parts together here. So, 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 so now, so now and, and then it says if all parts are working properly. So there's a goal in God's eyes for the entire church to be healthy, not a small group of people to be healthy. Because all, God expects his body to work properly. He expects it. Nothing in this, that's why I like, you know, when I, whenever we buy electronics, my wife bought me an electronic, uh, uh, she bought me a, um, a surround sound system. A new one. I like it, too. Got the subwoofer. That th oh, God. Bless God for a wife. But there's, there's some about, the, the, but, but no, no, no what's interesting is it, she, bought, she got the extended warranty on it. And the extended warranty is to make sure that as long as I have the system, that I'm able to enjoy the system and that it will work properly. See, many of us got to recognize that these are the ways in which God has eternally warranted the church in order that the church may work properly. We, if something goes wrong with the church, God, through the gospel, has ways of making sure that the warranty, because he says, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So God is a finisher. He's not, he's not flighty, hippie God. He doesn't start stuff and doesn't finish anything. He finishes what he starts. And therefore, one of the things that he finishes what he starts is how the work of the gospel impacts the entire community for his glory. So therefore, your involvement and your, your willingness to commit has to be a part of the framework of who you are because you were built that way. We were built that way. And so, and so we're praying that God would foster in us, all of us, a commitment to gospel unity and not to work against what God has called us to work towards. What does it mean to work against gospel unity? To look for our benefit, not the benefit of God's glory and the edification of other, other people. I, I like how the old preacher would close and pray. He said, Lord, may your saints be edified. May your name be glorified and the enemy be horrified. I, I like that. that. That's a good prayer. And that's our prayer for us. And that it was spread throughout the world and that the church, not just Epiphany Fellowship, but the churches all over the globe will extend and commit to God's vision to see all God's people conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to walk in this unity, this unity of the faith that is attained through you. Lord, I pray that this week that we would, we would, we would allow ourselves to hear truth from people, difficult information that we have been sidestepping. Lord God, will you, will you honor your name? Will you lift your name high through your people, Lord God? Through us not having an idealistic understanding of what it looks like to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, but that your word would tell us what it looks like to be conformed into Jesus Christ's image. We love you, God. And we want to we we be truthful. We want to be loving. But we want to be that on your terms, not our own terms. 
that we may grow based on the positional joining of not wanting to hear truth and to turn towards you. To, to, to not just abstract truth, but concrete truth that, 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 that blazes in the soul and works on the soul and destroys anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. We honor you and bless you and we love you to death, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.